We are going to start a loving kindness meditation. Just listen to my words. Keep breathing and relax. I send loving kindness to myself. May I let go of sadness and bad feelings. May I be free from anger. May I be free from pain. May I be free from difficulties. May I be free from suffering. May I be healthy, happy, and peaceful. You just heard a loving kindness meditation from a child, a six-year-old child, actually. Welcome, everybody, to Dear Anxiety. My name is Ed Krasnick. I'm your co-host. Rini Jane will be along shortly. And if you think you can't teach meditation to young kids, you just listen to this person and you'll know that you can. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today's show is all about meditation. The meditation train has left the station. It's the meditation station. And this is Meditation Nation. And I'll stop rhyming now. What am I, Dr. Seuss? Listen. Here's the thing. Meditation, we all kind of know about it. This is Dear Anxiety, and this is the show about mental health. It's about how we relate to our thoughts, our feelings. It's about well-being. It's about emotional fitness, although I'm not sure anybody knows what that is on this planet. Maybe the Dalai Lama. Even he. So we're going to talk about meditation today. So this is a time, this show is going to be like a mental vacation for you. I hope it is a mental vacation for you. And my co-host is really does incredible work with her company and in her life. She has a master's degree in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, studied with the father of applied positive psychology, Marty Seligman, and... She has a family, she lives, she breathes, and her company goes in, teaches resilience skills to kids and parents, schools all over the country, all over the world. Rini Jane, Rini, you're breathing, you're living, and are you meditating? I am. Thank you for saying that I'm living and breathing. I wasn't sure. (laughs) Well, most people are not. (laughs) I wasn't sure if our audience knew that that's what was happening. No, most people are not. Most people aren't. They may be living, but they're not breathing. And that's what today is all about. We are going to talk about meditation today. And I love that clip that we played at the beginning of the six-year-old and the loving kindness meditation. And stay tuned because we have a full version of that coming for you at the end. But yes, meditation. You know, there's a lot of ideas about meditation, meditation and mindfulness, mindfulness and meditation. And there are a lot of misconceptions about it. And I was hoping maybe we could start this podcast with some myths about meditation. Okay, this is good. Yeah, let's bust them. Let's do some myth busting on meditation. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. I think the biggest myth of all about meditating is that you need to stop your mind from thinking. That's it's like a Jedi mind trick, right? Right. Stop your thoughts, Luke. Right. 
Right. Right. Okay. This, that can't happen. Hey, you know what? Let me ask you to do something. Can you stop your heart from beating? Ready, (laughs) set, go, Ed. I I was able to do it. I've been doing it since my bar mitzvah, (laughs) but that's another show for another time. Now, no, you can't do it. And this is the thing that there is a, when you learn something new, especially when it comes to mental health and practices, mental health skills, resilience practices, happiness skills, whatever you want to call it to help your well-being, there's a perfectionism. You feel that you have to do it perfectly. There is a perfect way to do it. Meditation looks like something where you sit cross-legged and you're in an ashram. And if it's not that, then there's a problem. Yes, you've done it wrong. It's not meditation perfection. It's meditation practice. This is about practicing, right? Which is another myth. I I can't meditate because I can't do it perfectly. And these thoughts are coming through my head and I can't stop the thinking. And oh my goodness, or I'm too busy to do it. And you know what they say, what meditation teachers say to people who say you're too busy. Well, if you're the one who's too busy and you're supposed to practice for five minutes a day and you're too busy, you should practice for 10 because you're the one that needs it more, right? Right. But I want to make sure that we're very clear about this. This meditation is not about clearing your mind, about stopping your thoughts, right? This is something that I think is such a misconception and a misunderstanding that it prevents people from trying, from starting. And that's that's hard. Yeah, absolutely. The perfection thing is really what happens that we think that you're supposed to be very spiritually, spiritually aligned. You should have crystals around your head. There should be feathers of some kind. You should know Native American <laughs> prayers. You should know Aztec. You have to know Aztec. And it's just not true. And But this is the thing. We live in a culture today where in order to stop, it seems like an extreme action because we're always plugged in. So stopping is a major action. It's a major activity, whereas it didn't used to be when we didn't have so much technology that connected us to electronics all day. And to other people, people would actually take walks just to take walks. They would actually take time to consider something. There was no emphasis on instant gratification. It has to be done right now. It could always be put off because you didn't have the technology to not put it off. So anyway, what I'm saying is Thich Nhat Hanh, the great Buddhist minister, he talks about meditation and mindfulness and he's wonderful. And he talks about stopping as an action. But if you stop for 30 seconds, it's still stopping. If you meditate for 10 seconds, it's still meditation. You can have it in whatever dose you choose to have it. Any kind of conscious practice is a practice. So if there's yes, a second... and I think that that's a myth, you know, that the myth is that you have to do it for X period of time, right, in order for it to be effective. And that's not what the research shows. So as you were saying, you know, if you're meditating for 10 seconds, and hopefully you can extend that out to 20 seconds, to a minute, to five minutes, you know, and see if you can really get into a practice of doing it for a little bit longer each day. But you don't have to prep. Any amount of time is better than no amount of time. It really is true. And the research studies that they've done on meditation practices and mindfulness practices show that it works even when you're doing it in small doses of time. So we have a few myths that we're talking about. One is that you have to stop your thoughts and stop your mind. Two is that meditation is some sort of perfectionism. <laughs> like You have to have meditation perfection, but it's really a practice. No one is monitoring how many thoughts you've had during your meditation practice or how many times you had to come back to your breath or anything like that. And the myth that you have to do it for long periods of time in order for it to be effective. And I also think that there is a misunderstanding between 
a mindfulness practice and a meditation practice, and many people think that they are the same. So mindfulness practice, that word mindfulness is used pretty regularly in the mainstream because, you know, we see that Google has a mindfulness program. They do it in the NFL. They're doing it in schools, right? So there are a lot of mindful school type programs going on. And mindfulness is a mental technique that really was originally designed for monks, right? You know, how many people in the world are monks? It's a very, very small percentage. It's really a directed focus meditation. It's what I believe that people think of as all types of meditation. So bringing your awareness into the present moment is a type of mindfulness practice. It can be done through your senses. One of the senses that people use often is breathing and being aware of your breath. And that's a mindfulness practice. And it's not necessarily meditation. So meditation is a really a vehicle for transforming the mind. It is many different types of practices. There are hundreds now, and I feel like they are created for people with a monkey mind, with a busier life, and not sort of monastic or monk-like life. And so there is a difference between mindfulness and between meditation. There are many, many apps which will help people to meditate. They're very useful. I've used a number of them. But to me, right now, if I take a breath and I'm just present and I say the words in on the in-breath and out on the out-breath, that's a little practice for me. Yes. And that is a little practice. And we need to, I think, really think about the why. Why are we all talking about it? I mean, I think there are the obvious things. Intuitively, we feel like it's going to decrease our stress and it's going to help us just live a more relaxed life. And obviously, the research really is in line with that, right? So there's so much research behind the different types of meditation that's out there that have incredible benefits from increasing positive emotions and decreasing stress and anxiety, decreasing depression, increasing compassion, social connection. There's so many things that it does. But there are also amazing things that have come out of the research that I don't know if we would have thought about if we didn't study it. But increases in immune function, reduction in pain and inflammation. And then, Ed, I'm sure you've seen these studies where they show that meditating for six to eight weeks can change your brain, can literally grow gray matter in your brain. You know, they wow. find differences in brain volume after eight weeks of meditating in five different parts of the brain, right? So this is research out of Harvard. And they also have found that the area in your brain where the fight, flight, freeze, or faint response comes out of the amygdala can actually, that area of the brain can shrink. <laughs> what? Yes. Amazing stuff. That's, that's right? incredible. That's oh, incredible. It actually has a physical manifestation. A physical manifestation. So there are incredible benefits to meditating. I don't think you have to sell this too much anymore for anyone that's basically alive and breathing, as you said, alive and breathing as I am. You've probably heard of meditating and you probably know that it's something good. But what I think in terms of kids and education and that we have to be weary of is that we don't use it as a type of behavior modification. Let's bring in mindfulness so that will, because what the research is showing is that it can modify behavior in a positive way, impulse control, emotional regulation, I think we should be very conscious of using it as a type of positive detention almost. So it's not an intervention. You wouldn't use it as an intervention. 
I would use it as an intervention, but I wouldn't say that the goal is, listen, bring mindfulness to your school so that you can keep everyone in line. Because what happens is, is that kids recognize that right away. Oh, you're making me meditate to keep me quiet or to make me not move so much or, you know, as a type of punishment almost. Right. This is a practice that I think explaining the why behind it will really get you to get kids buy in for life and really understanding the why behind it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So we usually do a role playing segment and we talk about the science, but really, can we demonstrate, is it possible to demonstrate just for us to stop and take some conscious breaths throughout the show and then to actually role play? You teach me as I'm a parent about how to introduce this to my kid. Sure. I mean, I think that we can stop at any point and take some breath. Let's take a breath right now. Okay. Let's breathe in. And if you can just breathe out. If you're explaining this to a child for the first time, you can say you can take a deep breath in like you're sniffing a flower. Sniff a pretend flower. And then hold a cup of imaginary hot cocoa and blow out on it. If you're working with a child and you're using breathing as a vehicle to teach meditation, and there are many, many vehicles, so it's not just breathing. But if you are using breathing, one of the best things that you can say to them is to have them breathe out for as long as they can. Because if you extend the exhale, it automatically requires you to take a deep inhale. So with my kids that are five and six years old, we pretend like there is a birthday candle. We extend our arm out, we put our index finger up, and we pretend that index finger is a birthday candle. And I say to them, now how long can you blow out that candle for? Who can blow it out for the longest period of time? So they have to take a very deep breath in, and I teach them to take it through their nose. Until their belly's extremely flat. Another thing you can do with a child is you can ask them to lie down and put a stuffed animal on their belly, their diaphragm area, and to make the stuffed animal rise and fall with their breathing. So this is a breathing buddy technique that many people may be familiar with. But again, I want to emphasize that the meditation techniques that we're talking about when it comes to breath work, that's just one vehicle. There are many other vehicles. And before we go into even our role playing, I want to talk about why this obsession with meditation. Of course, we talked a little bit about all of these positive benefits as science is showing us. But what is what are we really trying to do? And something that Ed and I talk about a lot is minding the gap. And Ed, do you want to talk about what minding the gap is? Well, minding the gap, it really, I mean, it's almost a, a key ingredient of practicing mental health, of practicing wellness when it comes to your thoughts and feelings. Because what minding the gap is, is it's taking, it's using a technique to take a pause between your thought and your reaction and how you act, how you relate to whatever thought or feeling you're having. So the whole key of it is we're going to take a pause and then we're going to be able to make a choice about what to do next. Yes. 
And I often think about it because I, I really have many, many times in my life thought about why do I have a friend who can handle the stress that we're both experiencing so much better than I can? Why do two kids face the same stressor, whether that be a failed test or a broken relationship or whatever the stress is, right? Not having anyone to sit with at lunch. And these two kids who may be growing up with the same background, they may even be twins and have the same DNA and have the same parents, but they have totally different reactions to the experience that they're going through. Why does that happen? Well, one of them is able to really rise in this gap, to stay in this gap, to be in this gap, and to extend the period between the thoughts that they're having and the reactions in they, that they have. And I think what meditation allows us to do is to really live in this gap, to be our own coach. I think all of the tools that we're teaching in the Gozen programs is teaching kids to be their own coach. And meditating allows you to do that because what happens, Ed, for example, when you and I talk and we share experiences and I come to you and I say, oh, I'm going through this challenge right now. Both my kids are sick. Well, you're able to be that outside observer of my experience and give me really good advice because you're not in the experience with me and my thoughts are racing and they're skewed and I can't see straight and you're able to do that for me. Well, what if we were able to do that for ourselves? What if we were able to extend the space between our thoughts and our reactions and really mind the gap and be our own coach? So what I feel like meditation does is it allows you to live in that gap. It allows you to be the best version of yourself and it allows you to be an observer of your own experience, an observer of your own thoughts and feelings so that you can be the coach to say, hey, you know, that's not so accurate. That thought's not so accurate. Or hey, let that feeling come in and send you a message and then let it leave. You're able to do that. And I know this sounds like something, oh my goodness, how could a kid learn this? But they learn it much quicker than we do. Do we not see that, Ed, in our work yeah, with kids? Yeah, absolutely. They they are able to, because they're so close to their thoughts and their feelings and being in the moment, that you know they're able to access that a lot easier than adults. It really is, you're talking about the gap. I just realized that our first sponsor should be the gap <laughs> because we're minding hey, the, the gap. gap. Are you listening? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not even, I think if you want a nice flannel shirt, there's no better way to do it than to create a pause between your thoughts and your reactions about buying that shirt. It's really interesting. What you're talking about is you're talking about, you're practicing pausing. That's what you're practicing. You're practicing taking a pause or stopping. And in today's world, that is a really important thing to do. When I was growing up, it wasn't that important. It wasn't as important, I don't think, because people had natural places in their life where they could do that because of the technology that we have now. So I feel like there's a practice and it's pausing. And in this way, what's great to, to do with pausing is to breathe, is to consciously breathe. And I can't even tell you how many, you could go from a life of survival to a life of well-being if only by doing a practice like this. I really believe that. Yeah, you know, it's unbelievable. So I want to make sure that we're able to offer, you know, a breath as something that can be a vehicle to get you into that gap. And there are other vehicles. So one thing that is used in a lot of different types of meditation are mantras. 
in a mantra, although it's been hijacked, I think, by advertising agencies as slogans. And it's been hijacked by people who push positive thinking as like an affirmation that you say to yourself. It doesn't necessarily need to be that. If we look into traditionally what a mantra was, is it's really a primordial sound and saying one sound or it could be a word over and over again, what that can do is it can put you into a meditative state that allows you again to be an observer of your own experience. Now, when I say observer of your own experience, again, this sounds like it's too complicated for a kid to learn. But one of the things that we teach in the Gozen programs, and that is a tried and true therapeutic technique, is to separate yourself from your thoughts and feelings and make your worry, for example, a character. So you make the worry that you feel inside your body a character. In Gozen, we call this Whittle the Worrier, and we have kids talk to Whittle. And so they're talking essentially to themselves, right? They're talking to their own thoughts. They're talking to their own worry. So this isn't a new concept, and it's not a concept that kids would be like, what are you talking about? This is so strange. So what I'm trying to say is, is that when you use a sound that you say over and over again, and that sound can be any word that you choose. It can be love you know, love, 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 love. And the point of this is that it's a vehicle to get into this different state of consciousness. And this different state of consciousness has been researched by scientists to show that there are uh, states of brainwaves in your head, right? That when you're talking, when you're awake, when you're asleep, you have different levels of consciousness. So you can get into a different level of consciousness when you're in a state of meditation. And they've done functional MRIs and all these different studies to show that you're in a different state. This is a deeply restorative state. This is a state that can heal you from the inside. So not only can you use a breath, but you can use a word. You can use a mantra, which in the original meaning of mantra is a vehicle into the mind. So that's all it is. So you can choose a word as a vehicle and you can say it silently or you can say it out loud to yourself and you can practice this and you can practice if you're practicing with your kids, you can practice it over and over again together if you want to. And this allows you again to really connect to what I always say to kids. You have incredible strengths inside of you, incredible character strengths, and that's who you are. And Ed always says, you're not your thoughts and your feelings, right, Ed? Don't you say that? You're not, you're not your thoughts a- and your feelings, but you absolutely. feel like you are. You feel like I am anxious. You're not anxious. You're having the feeling of anxiousness. So what this does is it allows you to separate your thoughts and your feelings, which are transient, from the core of who you are. Which is completely infinite and powerful and has all the possibilities of the universe inside of you. It's all there. And it it may sound touchy-feely to say those things, but it's really true. We're so much bigger than our thoughts and feelings. But when we go away, When we're not present, and when I say, look, let me just talk about myself. When I'm not present, I get smaller. It feels like I get smaller, and then my thoughts and feelings get bigger. Can you give us an example of what happens? What happens is I start to feel smaller, like I have no options. I have no choices. And then the feelings speak louder. The thoughts speak louder. And and it's usually always and never. This is always going to be the way it is. It's never going to get better. You know, I'm never going to feel better. This situation is too big for me. It's it's all those kind of extreme things, uh, thoughts and feelings. And then I get rapid. 
my breathing gets less deep and I get rapid, almost like it is fight or flight. And I'm in survival mode before I know it. And this, without conscious breathing, this is how I live. That's the problem. The problem is that you're so busy surviving that you forget that you can live, that you are bigger than these things, that you are more than these things. And so you're living in the in the fight or flight world. You are literally accessing your inner Yoda. If you guys have ever watched Star Wars movies, you know that Yoda is sage. Everything that comes out of his mouth is sage. And you wonder in the midst of lightsabers, you know, flailing all around how he's able to kind of channel the most sage wise advice for Luke Skywalker or any other Jedi. He's able to do that because he is a meditation master. And so this is what meditation can do for you. It allows you to channel your inner Yoda. And so if you want to do a role play, Ed, we can try to do that. Let's get ready, people. Quiet on the set. I would love to do that. I'm trying to remember you. Yoda! No, I'm trying to remember Yoda's voice, and I don't really... <laughs> no, yeah, my Ed's been a long time. But I can do it. Um, I think <laughs> I can do amazing. it. amazing. <laughs> I could get it there if I had to. But no, I okay, so we're going to channel our, our inner Yoda, our inner spirit, our inner meditation, the inner meditation master. So so let's so take take me through, you know, a, a real a meditation and it can be with a mantra or not. And we can just take a pause here and you, you're listening to this and you can join us. I think what we can do in this role play is we can be a person who's meditating for the first time. Right. And maybe... Yeah, I think that that would be the best role play to do. Okay, so let's. Okay. So the first round of this is us getting distracted by our thoughts. So right. really having like a fusion between our thoughts and our experience. Okay, so I'm going to use love as a mantra, and you can be the thoughts, Ed. Okay, great. Light, camera, and action. I have to do so many love. things today. I don't know how I'm going to be able to love. do all this. There's no way. Love. I can't do it. It's crazy. Love. I'll never be able to get everything love. done. Oh, my goodness. I'm never going to be able to get everything done. Life is crazy. Life, life is crazy. Is, I, I, hard. Why does it have oh. to be so hard oh, all shoot. the time? I forgot I was saying love. 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 And I can't even meditate. Lo well, oh, I right. can't even meditate. I don't know what I'm doing. It's not even, I'm having I, those I thoughts again. They're doing. distracting me. I'm not it's even not good, good at this. I'm. Yeah, I uh, can't be good at anything. I can't be good at anything. What was I doing? Yeah. Uh, I knew I wasn't good at this. Why did I even try to do this? This is too hard. Cut, cut, cut. That didn't work. And that is, you know, trying for the first time to use a mantra. One of the biggest challenges for us is that our mind, our mind chatter starts to distract us. And then that distraction starts to distract us. And then we feel defeated. Your mind is not meant to shut off during this process. This is not, we're not monks meditating in the forest, trying to direct our attention at our breath. Right? What we are trying to do is shift our experience so that we can just watch our thoughts and let them float by and be compassionate toward ourselves. If we're doing a meditation where we're using the word love over and over again, a mantra meditation, then if the thought floats by, we allow it to float by and then we continue, right? And if we do get distracted, then we just come back with compassion and we continue. So should we try it again? And action. Love, love, love. I'll never make it to all love. these meetings on time. There's love. no way. Love, 
I cannot do love. this again today. Every day it's the same thing. Love. Every day. Love. Every day. Every day. Every day it's the same thing. Oh, I'm okay. How love. Are we make this? It's okay. It's okay, Reedy. Love. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be, I have to cancel love. something. Love. I have to cancel something. Love. Why is it so hard? Why is oh, this guy cutting me off? Look at those thoughts floating by. Okay, love. Why is he cutting me off? Love. I have so far to go. Love. And I don't have enough time. I better love. call Love. 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 I just remembered I have to make a call in 10 love. minutes. Love. 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 Love, 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 love. Cut, cut. We got it. We got it. Print it. That's a wrap. Everybody go to lunch. Pick up your check on the way out. So that is a form of uh, the word love wasn't the meditation the word love is a vehicle to help you get into a meditative state where you are able to be a non-judgmental compassionate witness to your own experience that's going on and that experience includes thoughts which we're able to demonstrate in the role play and not so much feelings in in physical reactions but that is also going on within your body and within your system yeah, that's it's incredible how when you just making an attempt to calm yourself with either breathing or a mantra, it changes your state. It really does. Just that alone. If you if you did that along with us, and before we leave you, we're gonna we're, we'll do another you know meditation before we end the show. But I feel like in the flow of life, you've often mentioned that you meditate every day at the same time. And you do it along with brushing your teeth. <laughs> I do. I had How to tie in it. The hell? Yes. I had to tie it to a daily activity. I wanted to make sure that it was part of my daily life. I brush my teeth twice a day, sometimes three times a day, but definitely twice a day in the morning, in the evening. I also floss as if my dentist is listening, right? <laughs> yeah, just in case. <laughs> your dentist just <laughs> took a deep home. breath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that I had that anchor, that cue, right, to develop the habit. And so I developed the habit to meditate as I'm brushing. And so I I personally like to close my eyes when I'm meditating. So I'm brushing my teeth and it's an electric toothbrush. So I'm hearing this humming. And sometimes I'm using a breathing meditation and sometimes I'm using a mantra meditation and sometimes I'm doing a loving kindness meditation. So it just kind of depends on the day. But I will always, once I start brushing my teeth, that is my cue to begin meditating. And it's absolutely doable to tie it to something that you do every day and to make it just part of your lifestyle. So when you go to brush your teeth, you you close your eyes and you breathe and you continue brushing your teeth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, dentists everywhere are going to be calling in because <laughs> this is going to take over the dental community. Yes. <laughs> Dent- I have a great dentist, dental practice. He would love this. And that is really interesting. And Ed, you know, One more technique that I wanted to just bring up uh, before we end the show is a breathing technique, but it's something that kids really just latch onto because it's quick and it's easy. It's called square breathing. 
And so it is breathing in for three, holding for three, breathing out for three, pausing for three, and then repeating. Ed, would you like to tell everyone where they can find us, where they can, if they like what they're listening to, where they can drop us a review, you know, where they can also give, uh, send in submissions? First of all, thanks for listening. And we've gotten some great reviews. And if you want to find the show, if you want to listen, if you want to subscribe, especially, because then it comes right to your inbox and you get new episodes every week, you can listen to us on bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Dear Anxiety on iTunes, B-I-T dot L-Y bit.ly forward slash Dear Anxiety on iTunes. And again, thank you for subscribing. It, it We're creating a community here, and it's going to be a very, very big community. And speaking of that, if your child has an issue, if you have an issue that you want to send us so that we can speak to it, because we all have the same issues. We're all people. We're all human beings. At least I think we are. If there are any mammals not listening, you should, you can send us, you can record it on your phone and then send it in to gozen, G-O-Z-E-N dot com forward slash Dear Anxiety. That's gozen, G-O-Z-E-N dot com forward slash Dear Anxiety. And we will play it at the beginning and the end of the show, like we do with our with with all of our shows. We begin and end with a, a child, and we're going to do that shortly. But if you're an adult too, please send it in. Feel free. It's very easy to record on the phone and just send it to that address. You guys, thank you so much for listening. And as Ed said, thank you for the reviews. We're trying to reach as many people as we can with these tools that we're delivering through the podcast. And we just really, really love the feedback and support. So it's been amazing. So gratitude to everyone that's listening. And thank you so much. And now let's do a little bit of breathing for uh, uh, for just 30 seconds and you do it with us. And then you're going to hear from another child who is going to continue with the loving kindness meditation that you heard at the beginning of the show. Rini, thank you so much. Thank you, Ed. And now let's breathe a little bit. Do you want to lead us in the breathing? Yeah. So let's just, let's just breathe in easily. Just take a breath in, hold it for a second at the top, and then breathe out. Let's do it two more times. As we always love to end the show with the incredible wisdom of a child, we have a six-year-old leading us through a full loving-kindness meditation. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you next week. Close your eyes and take a deep breath in through your nose until your lungs are filled with cool, fresh air. Now Breathe out through your mouth and imagine you're blowing the air out through a giant straw. Breathe in again 
through your nose and fill up your lungs. Breathe out again through your mouth. Keep breathing like this as you listen to my voice. You can rest your hands by your sides and imagine you are sitting on the softest pillow you have ever felt. We are going to start a loving kindness meditation. Just listen to my words. Keep breathing and relax. I send loving kindness to myself. May I let go of sadness and bad feelings. May I be free from anger. May I be free from pain. May I be free from difficulties. May I be free from suffering. May I be healthy, happy, and peaceful. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be at peace. I send loving kindness to my family. May they let go of sadness and bad feelings. May they be free from anger. May they be free from pain. May they be free from difficulties. May they be free from suffering. May they be healthy, happy, and peaceful. May they be filled with loving kindness. May they be at peace. I send loving kindness to my friends. May they let go of sadness and bad feelings. May they be free from anger. May they be free from pain. May they be free from difficulties. May they be free from suffering. May they be healthy, happy, and peaceful. May they be filled with loving kindness. May they be at peace. I send loving kindness to all people everywhere on earth. May they let go of sadness and bad feelings. May they be free from anger. 
May they be free from pain. May they be free from difficulties. May they be free from suffering. May they be healthy, happy, and peaceful. May they be filled with loving kindness. May they be at peace. I send loving kindness to myself. May I be happy, healthy, and peaceful. May I let go of sadness and bad feelings. May I be free from anger. May I be free from pain. May I be free from difficulties. May I be free from suffering. May I be healthy, happy, and peaceful. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be at peace. 